Welcome to our Aliyah Day. Glad that you're with me. From wherever you're watching across the fruited plain, I hope you're having a beautiful, amazing day as we are studying this uh, opening parasha of the book of Bamidbar. And it's been uh, very interesting thus far, reading about the tribal orders as the tribes are encamped around the tabernacle. We've been learning about that and seeing what God has to show us and uh, gleaning from his Torah. Isn't it wonderful to be able to do such a thing every uh, single day? And we are not only that, but experiencing um, the wonderful uh, new month of Sivan, the final days, the, the final countdown of the Omer as we're working our way to Shavuot, which uh, we are going to have a wonderful Shavuot uh, time here, and it's going to be amazing, uh, and we're going to have some study time together. In fact, uh, we were talking just this last week about the plan for the Havdalah we're going to have, which leads us, of course, into Shavuot. We're going to have a a study until late into the night. It'll, it'll officially end at midnight, but I know that others will stay up as they have done in years past until the uh, wee hours of the morning or perhaps dawn. But here in our uh, beautiful synagogue, we have an upper room. We have an entire second story, and it has a large meeting room upstairs. And we decided that we were going to have our our Torah study time for Shavuot in the upper room. We're going to go literally to the upper room, and we're going to have our Torah study time uh, there. So it's going to be very exciting, and it'll be very fun. And we're going to be talking about uh, our focus, topic focus is going to be about the Mashiach, about the Messiah apologetics, about the Mashiach and his divinity, uh, and other topics of that nature. So uh, it's going to be amazing time, and I, we're going to do our best uh, to maybe live stream that time from the upper room. We've never had the live stream up there, but we're going to work on that and prayerfully be able to uh, make that happen. And so uh, it's going to be uh, amazing. Baruch Hashem. So hope you can join us for Shavuot if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. As we often say, if you're within 100 miles, you have to come here. Outside of 100 miles, you know, okay, you can watch live. But um, otherwise, you have to come. We are in the Art School Chumash, the third Aliyah. Begins in Chapter 2 of the Book of uh, Bami Bar, the Book of Numbers. If you have your Art School Humash, we are on page 733, 733. So let's look at this, uh, this, this, this third Aliyah. Let's read it and we'll get into the discussion of it. So it says, Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, The children of Israel shall encamp each man by his banner, according to the insignia of, his, of their father's household. At a distance surrounding the tent of meeting shall they encamp. Those who encamp to the front of the east shall be the banner of the camp of Judah according to their legions. And the leader of the children of Judah is Nakshon, son of Amidad. Its legion and their count are 74,600. Those encamping near him are the tribe of Iskar, and the, and the leader of the children of Iskar is Nathanel, son of Zuar. Its legion and their count are 54,400. The tribe of Zebulun and the leader of the children of Zebulun is Eliab, son of Elon. Its legion and their count are 57,400. 
All those counted for the camp of Judah are 186,400, according to the legions. They shall be the first to journey. The banner of the camp of Reuben shall be to the south, according to their legions. And the leader of the children of Reuben is Eliezer, son of Shadur. Its legion of their count are 46,500. Those encamping near him are the tribe of Simeon, and the leader of the children of Simeon is Shilumiel, son of Zereshadai. Its legion of their count are 59,300. And the tribe of Gad and the leader of the children of Gad is Elisaph, son of Uel. Its legion of their count are 45,650. All those counted for the camp of Reuben are 151,450, according to their legion. They shall be second to journey. The tent of meeting, the camp of the Levites, shall journey in the middle of the camp. As they encamp, so shall they journey, everyone at his place, according to their banners. The banner of the camp of Ephraim, according to their legion, shall be to the west. And the leader of the children of Ephraim is Elishama, son of Amihud. Its legion and their count are 40,500. Those encamping near him are the tribe of Manasseh. And the leader of the children of Manasseh is Gamliel, son of Pedazur. Its legion and their count are 32,200. And the tribe of Benjamin, the leader of the children of Benjamin, is Abidan, son of Gideon. Its legion and their count are 35,400. All those counted for the camp of Ephraim are 108,100. According to its legion, they shall be third to journey. The banner of the camp of Dan shall be to the north, according to their legions. And the leader of the children of Dan is Aizar, son of Amishadai. Its legion of their count are 62,700. Those encamping near him are the tribe of Asher. And the leader of the children of Asher is Pagiel, son of Ochan. Its legion of their count are 41,500, and the tribe of Naphtali, and the leader of the children of Naphtali is Iras, son of Ainan. Its legion of their count are 53,400. Verse 31. All those encountered for the camp of Dan are 157,600. They shall be the last to journey according to their banners. Verse 32, this is giving us the totals. There are the, these are the countings of the children of Israel according to their father's household, all the countings of the camps according to their legions, 603,550. The Levites were not counted among the children of Israel as Adonai commanded Moshe. The children of Israel did everything that Adonai commanded Moshe, so they encamped according to their banners, and so they journeyed every man according to his families by his father's household. That's the reading, uh, or excuse me, the end of the uh, third Aliyah. So looking at just a few insights this morning to what we've just read, looking at some things that uh, Rabbi uh, Monk has, has um, mentioned for us, going to chapter 2. Rabbi Monk points out the opening words to this chapter, as it says, the banners of the tribe were arranged around the tabernacle, thereby signifying how the people would be encamped. At Sinai, the children of, of the, the Jewish people rather witnessed the vision of Adonai coming down to them with hosts of angels grouped around him. They too wanted to, to group around Adonai and praise him as the angels in heaven did. So when we look at the the camp of the Israelites, as is described here in the Torah. Where did that, that uh, vision originally come from? Well, it came from the fact that the angels in Shemayim, that's how they encamp around Hashem. Now, I want you to keep in mind something here. 
This is how they camp, encamp around Hashem. And so this is how we encamped around the tabernacle, which means what? That the tabernacle is likened to Hashem. And the tabernacle and the temple are essentially the same thing in terms of what they represent, what they mean. And so when Mashiach says, tear down this temple, he's comparing himself to the temple, of course. And the sages understood that the temple and the tabernacle, for that matter, either way, were essentially manifestations of Hashem. This is why when you read in Jewish literature, it talks about the fact that God said, I should not have an image. And then he proceeds to tell the people how to make the tabernacle. And the sages of old were perplexed because God had just said not to make an image of him. And yet now we're building the tabernacle. Why? Well, we don't think about the tabernacle as being an image of God, but it is. The tabernacle is the image of God. That's the reality. We say, well, God has no image. That's right. He has no statue. He has no form in terms of what we bow down to, but he does have an image. In fact, we've said this before, but it's, an, it's, it's impossible to say he doesn't, really. If it is, then you've got to question Jewish literature. And what, The reason I say that is because when Adam was made, the uh, sages point out that he looked so much like Hashem, he was such a uh, absolute re- replica, so to speak, that the angels bowed down to him to worship, and God had to say, hey guys, that's not me. Well, if, he do- if God doesn't have any type of image or form, then that doesn't make any sense at all. You can say, well, they were bowing down to his essence. They were bowing down to his spirit. He was so much akin to God. Okay, fine, but he's got a body. So you don't think that would be a clue that it's not Hashem, right? So clearly there's, there's a mystery here. But anyway, going back to the tabernacle, the angels encamped around Hashem, and so we want to encamp around the tabernacle. Why? Because the tabernacle is Hashem's manifested presence on the earth. And Yeshua said, tear down this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. Which means what? Which means he's God's manifested presence on the earth. That's what that means. And that's why they were so upset with him. Because they were hearing his words and hearing things that a lot of people don't hear because they're not, they don't understand the connectivity. When, he, when Yeshua says, I am the light of the world, he's referring to several things. First of all, he's referring to the Torah. The Torah of God is the light of the world. And in the eyes of, of Judaism, the Torah, and the eyes of Torah itself, okay, so that's, when I say the eyes of Judaism, I'm saying that this is a biblical belief. The Torah is divine. The Torah, the Torah is eternal. The Torah is the, the element, if you will, with which the heavens and the earth were created. So it precedes creation, as I said yesterday. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible for God, or excuse me, for the Mashiach to be a man. Impossible. Because man didn't create anything. Okay? It's impossible. So anyway, um, you have the Torah. When I say to be a man, I mean to be just a man, a mere man, not divine, which is what some people teach and believe. It's crazy, actually. Um, But anyway, uh, so you have the uh, Torah, right? And so the Torah is the light of the world. The Torah is the light of creation. It is the primordial light. So therefore, and by the way, God is light. That's interesting. So when Yeshua said, I am the light of the world, he was making an emphatic statement to those who understood what he was saying, that he is the Torah of God. 
what was also called the light of the world. The temple was called the light of the world. The temple itself was called the light of the world. Why? Because the temple was the place from which the Torah went out to the whole world, which is, in other words, it's the lamp. It's, it's It's the source of light for the universe, right? So that's why it was called the light of the world. Inside the temple was the uh, menorah. It was also called the light of the world. So there's three things there. Why was it called the light of the world? Because the, the, the lampstand represented the oral Torah in, in Jewish thought. And the oral Torah was the, the vehicle, uh, if you will, with which the Torah gets disseminated. It gets explained. It gets uh, the, the oral Torah is what gives the Torah its feet. So the Torah says, obey the Sabbath doesn't tell you exactly how, aside from a few details. It says, guard the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, doesn't exactly tell you how. So the oral Torah comes along and says, this is what this means. But anyway, we have three different areas there. We have the Torah itself, we have the temple itself, we have the menorah itself, all the three of which are the considered the light of the world. And now you have Messiah standing up and saying, I am the light of the world. And by, by the way, where does he make that statement? He makes that statement standing in the temple courtyard, right? Standing in the temple courtyard saying, I am the light of the world. So the temple on earth was a holy building, a holy edifice. But it really, at the end of the day, is just natural stone and wood and whatever. In other words, the the temple that that man built was certainly a a holy uh, place but it was made by human hands. That's why the third temple is going to be the temple that Mashiach builds. It's actually going to be the temple uh, of which the other two were only replicas. But in any case, if you look at the temple, what gives the temple its sanctity? Well, the presence of God, you would say. You know, the Torah, you would say. And so here is the living Torah standing up in the courtyard of the temple, making a declaration saying, I am the light of the world. Now, the people that heard him say that, that's not just some, you know, from the Western secular mind, or I shouldn't say secular, from the Western theological mind, the Christian mind, if you will, people hear that and they think, oh yeah, he's the light of the world. By him, we have the light of God. We have, you know, we, we have the light of a, a light of truth. And, you know, he's the light. He is and this little light of mine, you know, that kind of thing. We think about that, right? But to the Jew, you hear somebody say they, they are the light of the world. They're, they're calling themselves the Torah, the Torah of truth. They're calling themselves eternal. They're calling themselves divine. They're calling themselves the, 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 uh, uh, the craftsmen of creation. <laughs> the, if you think about it, they're calling themselves the very substance of creation. The very DNA of creation. Because remember, as I said yesterday, everything that has been made was made with the Torah. So you say the Mashiach is just a human. Really? What part of human is the moon made of? I'm just asking. The DNA of the moon is Torah. Not flesh and blood. You see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm just saying to you? What I'm saying to you is that the Torah, so when Mashiach says, I'm the light of the world, he is the very foundation of creation. He's the essence of creation is what he's saying. 
that those big, those big beautiful stars you see in the night sky, what makes those stars what they are is God's holy Torah. And by the way, there's no human DNA on those stars thousands of light years away. But there's Torah DNA there. And Mashiach is saying, when he says, I'm the light of the world, he's saying that I'm the DNA of that star you see. Because nothing was made that has been made without the Torah. Selah. A prisoner cannot save himself, by the way. Right? This is what the sages say. If you're in prison, you can't save the other prisoners. So that's why by that's another reason, just when I you make that point, that's another reason why the, the Messiah cannot be just a man. Because if you're just a man, how can you save other men? You're in prison too. But I digress. At Sinai, when the Jewish people witnessed the vision of Adonai coming down to them with hosts of angels grouped around him, they too wanted to group around God like the angels. And their, their opportunity came just a year later when God gave them the commandments about how to surround him. So it says that uh, this, you know, the giving of the Torah was important, the building of the tabernacle was important, the consecration of the altar was important, but all those, Rabbi Monk points out, seemed to be just preliminaries to the divine service that the people wanted to perform. So it says, when Adonai fulfilled that, that request um, uh, to Moses and Aaron that every Jew would encamp around his ban banner, However, Moses was concerned about the jealousy that the tribes might experience, you know, because they didn't, they didn't know, um, or excuse me, that one might have wanted to be on the, the east side, you know, jealousy. A lot of times we don't like our position in life. Isn't that silly? But we don't like, um, we always, you know, the, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. That's the, 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 the old, uh, old saying, right? That's so true for many of us. So it says that in order to make everybody feel comfortable, they, he, this is why the Torah says that you should encamp according to your tribal insignia. So you're, you're doing this according to your tribe, okay? So it engenders a level of, of um, unity and pride with your, your fellow. So it says the insignias correspond to the 12 signs in the heavens. There are four groups of three corresponding to the four sides of Jacob's coffin and the four directions of the compass. Remember that this encampment around the tabernacle was the same formation that was used when the brothers brought uh, their father's coffin to be buried in Machpelah. So it says, three, these four signs also symbolize the four basic forces of nature as represented by the signs of the, of the chariot of Ezekiel's vision. The face of man in the east, the lion in the south, the ox in the north, and the eagle in the west. So it says, On the banner of Reuben, there appeared the figure of a man decorated with a climbing plant, that is like jasmine. Judah's banner had a lion, that's because in Genesis 49.9, Judah is compared to a young lion. The ox was on Ephraim's banner. Ephraim was the, uh, the son of Joseph and therefore took Joseph's place, so to speak. And Joseph is the ox, so therefore the ox is on Ephraim's banner. 
The banner of Dan had the figure of an eagle, which calls to mind a winged snake or a winged serpent from Genesis 49:17, where it says, Dan should be a snake in the road. So we have the formation around the tabernacle with these banners symbolize the same formation around, uh, or I should say, on the very throne of God itself. So again, there's a correlation between the tabernacle, the temple, and God himself or, or, or his throne, right? By the way, the sages say what existed with God uh, prior to creation. One was the throne of God. Another was the Messiah. Hmm. So it says, the banner of camp of Judah. Judah always led the march and is therefore mentioned first. Judah was always the first to set camp to offer the sacrifices, to be first in battle, and will be first to experience redemption in the time in the time to come. The tribes of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun marched together in their relationship position on the east. They represent Hashem's kingdom on the earth and his Torah, thus personifying the spiritual leadership and direction of the nation. Interestingly, we see that Judah went first, and yet the Torah says that the ark went first. And so, uh, just to re- just to uh, recall that uh, mystery, which is it? Did Judah go first or did the ark go first? And the answer is yes. The reality is there were two arks. There was an ark that was called sometimes Moses' ark, and it contained the broken tablets of the first uh, sapphire tablets that were given to Moshe. And that ark would set out first into the wilderness, a three days journey. And those broken tablets inside that ark are what would dispel the snakes, the serpents, the scorpions. It would also make the low paths uh, raise them up and the high paths you know, lower them down, make everything straight and smooth and easy for the army to march. The other ark, the Ark of the Covenant, which had the renewed covenant in it. Hello, is this thing on? The renewed covenant, it had the, uh, the the manna in there, and then if, later on it had the the, the budding rod of of uh, Aaron was in the middle of the camp. So what do we have here? We have the broken tablet ark that is Messiah ben Yosef who precedes everything, and we have the second ark which is Messiah ben David who will come in the clouds of glory with the armies of heaven, as we see depicted here, and establish God's kingdom on the earth. Maybe sooner in our time. So it says, to the south, leading the tribes of, of Gad and Simeon was Reuben. And Reuben is the essential Baal Tshuva, the penitent one. Why? Because he saved Joseph from the hands of his brothers. So the south represents moral forces of regeneration in the universe, the source of earth's natural blessing of fruitful winds, good rain, and dew, etc. So the Baal Tshuva, one who repents and returns to God, is someone who is rejuvenating themselves. This is why you become a new creation. The tribe of Ephraim led the tribes of Manasseh and Benjamin marching to the west of the camp. These three tribes held the important rear guard position from which they were able to repulse enemy attacks. They personify might in battle. So interestingly here we have the tribe of Ephraim who, who comes up last. But it was Messiah ben Yosef from Ephraim who came first to be those broken tablets for us and to be crucified for us. 
So when Mashiach says the first shall be last, he's talking here about servant leadership, but he's also talking about himself. So Messiah ben Yosef, who came first, will actually lead the march last. Marching to the north was the tribe of Dan, accompanied by the tribes of Asher and Naphtali. The three northward tribes um, contributed to the most material well-being of the nation. The north has always been associated with material wealth. This is why the sages say that if you need a financial blessing, then you should pray to the north. Order of battle, I thought this was interesting. In, in verse 9, Rabbi Monk points out that according to Rashi, that when the tribes set out uh, to battle, to, or to march rather, they did not march out in a single file line. In other words, it wasn't Judah and then the other tribes following. But rather they would march in their formation. And I just thought that was interesting because and it makes this it makes more sense than marching out in a single file line because uh, from a military point of view when you're marching out in that order and you have tribes to the rear and tribes um, to the front and tribes to the to the right and the left you are actually providing uh, a flank protection for um, God's holy torah right you're actually providing that sanct- that sanctuary uh, Balhatorum has an insight here, just a, a reiteration, where it says, Around the tenth of meeting, they shall encamp, and those encamped around him. It says, The juxtaposition of Yachanun, they shall camp with Vihachonim, and those who camp indicates that just as the heavenly encampment of angels consists of four divisions around the throne of glory, so too on earth below, four divisions of Israelite tribes surround the tabernacle. Those angelic divisions are referred to as Ayachmun Veniknidlot, all inspiring as the angelic Degalim, Song of Songs 6, 4 to 10. They are also referred to by the verse Vediglo Allah Achava, and his angel, and his Deleg rather, was love unto me, Song of Songs 2, 4. For the giving of the Torah, the Israelites saw the heavenly Degalim and desired to arrange themselves like those Degalim. This is also the implication of the verse, and in the name of a God, we shall arrange ourselves. So when we, uh, there's a statement that points out that the four camps around, around Hashem uh, were divided by their leaders, and in this case it was Michael, Gabriel, Uriel and Raphael, they, they were the heads of the four camps around the throne of glory. And this is why we bless our, um, <clears throat> we bless our children, pardon me, <clears throat> because when we bless our children in this manner, when we say, may Michael be to the right and Gabriel to your left, <clears throat> Uriel to your front and Raphael to your rear, we were actually blessing them in the manner in which the angels were encamped around the throne. <laughs> so we're saying that may, may Hashem, Ruach uh, HaKodesh, so to speak, <clears throat> be upon you, right, in, in the center. That's why we say that His Shekinah should hover over Him. I just want to point this out because as we're talking about you know, blessing our kids, <clears throat> there is a method to... Uh, this, the proverbial madness, so to speak. 
That's going to conclude our Aliyah today. When we come back tomorrow, I want to continue this thought. I want to share another insight about um, guarding the Torah and what it means to do so. We'll reserve that for tomorrow so that we can uh, dive into that uh, in, in detail without having to rush through. So listen, I hope you have a, and, and pray that you have a beautiful and amazing day today. Be joyful. Uh, be happy. With God's help, we'll see everybody tomorrow. Uh, with uh, proverbial bells on. Shalom and blessings today.